This is the AM640 Afternoon Drive Show. Listen live weekday afternoons from 4 till 7 on AM640. Or download the app at 640toronto.com. day that you know it's just i mean it's fitting that it's raining today really for prince fans this is such a tragic day april 21st 2016 yet we lose another one of our music icons and you know really uh, a former resident of the city of toronto lived up on the bridal path uh, if you haven't heard if you're just joining us now and i know you're busy uh, prince passed away this morning he was found uh, unresponsive in his elevator at home he was 57. He just played here a couple of weeks ago. Uh, two shows at the Sony Center, and people have been calling in and telling us how great he was live. Uh, we're joined now by Gil Moore, who has a, even a, a better first ca- firsthand account of uh, what kind of a gentleman Prince was. He's the owner of Metalworks and the drummer for the band Triumph, and he is on the show. Hi, Gil. Hi, Kelly. How are you? I'm great. I just want to, I know that you know Prince, so, or new Prince, I'd like to extend my condolences to you, and thank you very much for joining us on the show, because it's a big loss. Yeah, I mean, uh, it's, we all have heavy hearts, obviously, here at Metalworks. I mean, Prince was just a, a true blue gentleman all the times he was here. He, he treated everyone from the receptionist to the engineers to uh, all our staff, you know, wonderfully well. He was known for being, you know, very shy and... Uh, you know, but when he was in the intimate environment, I suppose, of the recording process, you know, he was uh, he was just like everybody else, you know. He just fit right into the music groove, and uh, he was a wonderful guy. How many uh, times did he record at Metalworks here in Toronto? Well, he, he remarkably, he auditioned the studio three times. Like, he came in. I've never seen an artist do this. He came in and listened to his music in different studios. And he'd go home, and he'd come back, he'd listen to a different studio a couple of days later. So he picked the one that he liked the best, and he felt he got, you know, the best sound in. And then he kind of stuck with it. It was Studio 6 was his favorite. And uh, and, and then, you know, the whole musicology record was uh, done in, you know, it was done somewhat in bits and pieces, but there were also ex- sort of extended portions. And uh, so, he was, you know, he was in and out over a two-month period, I guess, recording. So, Gil, talk to me about the the audition process, because I'm interested in that. So he would go into a room. I know that he is proficient in many different instruments. What would he do? Would he bring in instruments, go into a room, lay something down, uh, you know, move around that room? Would he play several instruments? What, what, would it, what did that look like? He he really was very unusual in that, you know, he would even get in the, when he was recording, he would get in an engineer, um, you know, in tandem with our engineer. So the auditioning process was really him going in, and testing the equipment and testing the acoustics beforehand, listening to previously recorded material and seeing how you know what sort of vibe, what sort of tones he was getting in each one of the rooms, and then he used that information to pick which room he was working in as the as the recordings went forward. Wow! So he wasn't playing music, laying it down. He was playing his his music that he'd already produced and hearing what it sounded like being played back in that actual space and how. Yeah, exactly. Testing wow. the acoustic um, uh, areas in different studios and the listening environments and making sure that he felt the vibe was right. When he finally settled on Studio 6, another thing that was that was quite unusual was he had our sound company, our live sound company, bring in 
you know, subwoofers that, you know, that we use at big concerts and so on because he wanted to create a nightclub effect at times in the studio. So sometimes he'd flip from what I'll call studio speakers over to nightclub speakers so that he could turn the room into a nightclub and see how, you know, an audience might interpret his music. So wow. he was he was a very, very uh, unique artisan and, and a great craftsman. So he wasn't just uh, looking at the music as a, he wasn't just looking at creating it. He was actually looking at consuming the music. What's it going to be like if I'm consuming the music over here? Yeah, and it's interesting. Very unique, you know, in that respect, uh, you could see that he was he was a you know kind of a Thomas Edison, you know, if you will. He was always looking for that you know mysterious thing he was searching for. He transcended many musical styles and and genres, so. He was always kind of searching, and uh, he did that with the studio. He did it with instruments. He did it with musicians, and uh, I guess that was made him such a great artist. And we're talking. We're all going to miss him so much. Yeah, we're talking to Gil Moore, who's the owner of Metalwork Studio, also the drummer for Triumph. Uh, you know, as as an artist yourself or a musician yourself, Gil, what did you learn from Prince? Is there one thing that you learned while watching him in your studios, Metalworks? Uh, you know, auditioning them or actually laying down some tracks that you 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 thought, wow, uh, that's absolutely amazing. I'm putting that in my back pocket. I'm not forgetting that. Well, we we. You know, in Triumph, we crossed paths with Prince on the on the road, you know, because we were in the same era. And what really knocked me out was how incredibly tight his bands were. And, you know, we we grew up, myself myself and, and Mike particularly, on R&B. And Prince was sort of a an R&B soulster to begin with, even though, as I said earlier, he he actually had a lot of different musical styles in his in his repertoire. But the, the tightness, I think, was the thing that, really knocked us so we we tried to be a tight band and boy nobody had a band as as tight as prince just do you just think unbelievable. It, it, anybody saw them in, saw them in concert said wow probably the best band i've ever heard is that because everybody you know when you're around greatness you rise to the occasion uh you know and, and people knew maybe they weren't at the same level but we're gonna get there we're gonna you know is did he inspire people around him i, I just think he was a connoisseur of um really really great artistry uh, you know, I, I know as a drummer, for example, you know, the drummers he worked with, I was just always in awe of them. You know, they just, you just couldn't pick better musicians than Prince would, would pick. His live sound system always sounded absolutely pristine. And uh, I know he had his hand on everything, just like in the studio. Um, in the studio, he had his hand on everything. He would work with our engineer, Stu, most of the time, sometimes Chris Carrar and uh, you know, oftentimes he'd say, you know what, just leave me alone. I'll, I'll, I'll work the board myself for the next hour. Just take a break. So he, he would get that hands-on with his music. And, of course, he built his own studio, Paisley Park, which is a great studio mm-hmm. um, in, in uh, Minnesota. Can you leave us with a uh, final thought or a, a personal story uh, that, you know, really connects uh, for you with Prince? You know, when he went through the phase when he rebranded himself as the artist, and it was a, you know, kind of a, an odd story. An artist had never done that. But, you know, on reflection now, I think, you know what? That's actually what he should be remembered as. This is the AM640 Afternoon Drive Show. Listen live weekday afternoons from 4 till 7 on AM640. Or download the app at 640toronto.com.